2: This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. This is White Coat Art. True story. We ask a patient to vacate a hospital bed by 10 a.m. and the patient says, can I keep it till 1 p.m.? And one of us replies, like clockwork, this is a hospital, not a hotel. Hospital beds are that scarce. So scarce that there's this hotel in Hamilton, Ontario that's been converted into, you guessed it, a makeshift hospital. Recently, producer Jeff Goods and I went to check it out.
3: Brian, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for uh, getting through all the traffic.
1: <laughs> and, not, you know, not to tell tales out of school, but you were working last night at a hospital that was overwhelmed, which probably ties into what we're talking about today.
2: Yes, that is true. That's a fact. I was called in two hours early and I ended up staying, so I arrived at 7.00 p.m. and I stayed there till 5.30 a.m. Went home and got some sleep, so anyway. Oh, cool. We're all in this together, aren't we? Aren't we? Are, aren't we all in this together? At least there aren't any protests against, against health care workers. We're all okay, so scrambling in healthcare look, so to do our best do and this place is no exception. We're at the what? front entrance to what used to be the Crown Plaza Hotel in downtown Hamilton, home to conventions, weddings, bar mitzvahs, prom nights, and countless travelers. But now, this place is rolling
3: out the welcome mat to patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Schott. I'm the medical director for the Hamilton Health Sciences Satellite Health Facility. So, thank you for welcoming us. Um, What the heck is a satellite health facility? Well, it's an ALC site. ALC?
2: Ooh! Alternate level of care. (laughs) Fast and
3: furious. you got to be efficient, right, with your words. Uh,
2: patients so you are designated alternate level of care, or ALC, when they occupy a hospital bed but don't need the type of care provided by that hospital. Those in-between patients who aren't sick enough to need an acute care hospital, yet are too unwell to go home. So, According to one study, ALCs occupy roughly 17% of all acute care hospital beds. Dr. Craig Shot, a family doctor who directs the satellite health facility inside a converted hotel, explains.
3: So yeah, it's an ALC site that was created uh, back about three and a half years ago, and the purpose of it initially was to deburden the hospitals with the COVID uh, epidemic coming up. But now it's used by Hamilton Health Sciences as a decanting facility due to our overwhelmed hospital system. So, and it's uh Yes, exactly, exactly that, yes.
2: My, my late sister was in ALC, alternate level of care, for about six months until she, uh, she finally got a bed in a long-term care facility. So, and, and I'm sure that many loved ones and many patients have learned what that term means. Well, why do we have ALC,
3: first of all? Well, I think it's uh, got to do with a couple of things. It's our programs where patients go to. So we have rehab programs. We have uh, different type of programs where there's wait lists, so they can come here to wait for those. There's patients that we have here that aren't quite ready for the next program for different reasons. Some of them we get non-weight-bearing patients and stuff like that for, for different orthopedic injuries. So those ones are, are ALC. And we also get patients that are waiting like services at home or long-term care destinations where they don't have the care in place at home yet. They don't have uh, long-term care, uh, a bed available yet or a, a transitional care bed available. So those are the ones that we uh, we, we seem to take at our facility here. Well,
2: uh, uh, the system's trying to take care of people at home, and I guess a hotel is, on some level, a home. It's a temporary home for lots of people. That's how they would identify it, so why not? Why don't we have a look inside? Okay, so, wait, whoa, before you're walking past a really interesting thing,
3: what is this?
2: This what did what this reception used to be?
3: For the hotel, <laughs> so this is uh, where everyone comes in. We have security station back here. This is where everyone checks in. During that this COVID, place still
2: looks like a hotel lobby a screen, is no surprise. Uh, uh, Hamilton Health Sciences needed to move as many as two hundred ALC patients here as safely been. and as yeah, quickly as possible. But along the way, uh, they uh, discovered uh, some uh, advantages uh, of keeping uh, the look uh, of a hotel. Uh, this room looks warm, uh, like it's uh, like I mean emotionally warm it, it doesn't speak it doesn't say hospital
3: no it doesn't yeah so i think it's uh, you know, the wood and everything like you say the warmth it, it is sterile it doesn't have that sort of sterile look to it it's got a warmth to it which yeah i think a lot of the patients like it uh, for that reason
2: and you know i'm sure there's
3: advantages
2: and disadvantages to, to having a hotel what are some of the advantages
3: well it's, they all have big TVs in the room, so all the patients love the uh, large TV in the room so it 's not the the standard hospital small tv it's that 's a selling point for sure in terms of disadvantages. I think there was some stuff with the washrooms. We had to sort of retrofit a little bit, but that 's worked out. Quite well, and uh, the elevators are a bit smaller. You'll see that when we get in, but they're managed to get the stretchers in. They just sort of uh, incline the head uh, a little bit when they get when they bring the patient. So in. you
2: have to do a little bit of jerry ringing yeah, to be able to do a it. Little bit, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: carry on.
1: Is the pool, spa, and fitness center still here? <laughs> <laughs> we wish. There's a pool, but no water. <laughs>
3: Do you want to go? Just we can go to the nursing station. I guess we can start there. You want to sure, start there? Yeah. Uh, so this is it. And, uh, Yeah,
2: you can see the remnants of the hotel. I see it now. For
3: those, you know, for people who are listening to the show, they don't know what you just pointed to as a, as a remnant of a hotel. It's a jacuzzi tub in the middle of our nursing station, or on the side actually. So uh, it's uh, this used to be a one of the I guess larger suites I, I guess in the uh, in the Crown Plaza. So.
2: This converted hotel is run yeah, as a partnership Saint between two hospitals in the city, to, uh, Hamilton Health Sciences, which we mentioned I'm before, and St. Joseph's Healthcare yeah. Hamilton. We're about to meet a key person from St. Joseph's. Can you,
4: Can you give us happen? a hi, my so name happens. is? Yeah. Right. Um, Amanda Weatherston, senior manager for St. Joe's for post-acute care and community partnerships, but been here since the beginning with Kelly.
2: Amanda Weatherston, a nurse turned project manager, was tasked with finding and making a suitable place for patients. All right. Amanda, what was it like the first time you walked into this facility as as it was in the before time?
4: As it was for a hotel, I think with I this is probably the fifth hotel that I looked at to turn into a hospital. You looked <laughs>
2: at
1: other hotels. Yeah,
4: yeah. We had many tours across Hamilton looking at many hotels, looking at where they are in terms of environment, where they are in the city, how close would it be for families, for patients, for transportation, how would we get staff there? And then the actual environment of Hallways and rooms and occupancy because I think the whole point of opening the hotel was for occupancy We needed to maximize we didn't know what was coming. How would our hospitals cope? So we needed to make sure the rooms fit for whom the patient population was So so Looking at a hotel and turning it into hospital takes a lot a little bit of creative thinking But every opportunity was an opportunity
2: So give us kind of a laundry list of the things you had to do to turn it into a facility that could could house patients
4: biggest one was the rooms Uh, Biggest one was retrofitting all of the bathrooms, taking out showers, taking out tubs, moving toilets, moving sinks, working with both health departments for HHS and St. Joe's, looking at elevators, looking at storage, really looking at the kitchen, looking at cleaning, looking at how do we get things in? We're on a main street. How can we park? How do we not stop traffic every day? So it was things that as a nurse I would not normally think of. (laughs) So we had a lot of redevelopment folks colors flooring lights and some of these things came after the fact but uh yeah it was a whole like a house but on a bigger scale and really at the end of the day looking for how is it going to work for our staff is it going to be safe is it going to be appropriate and how is it going to work for our patients and families because what we didn't want is people not to be able to visit and kind of what you said feel warm and really feel like this is a hospital but also somewhere that they can trust and have their loved ones here and be cared for
2: a long way from nursing
4: A little bit, but not really. It was kind of fun. (laughs) not going to lie, it was a nice break.
2: (laughs) A nice break that turned into this. Each floor has a nurse's station, a room for physio, and a common area for patients. Kelly O'Halloran, Director of Community and Population Health Services at Hamilton Health Sciences, picks up the tour. She shows us a patient room complete with a call bell, air purifier, and a walk-in shower in the place where a tub used to be
4: either single or double occupancy
2: spotless yes so you've where possible you've kept you've kept as much of the old furniture as as uh, as as you could for economy and
5: Yes, we were, we're we were opened as a temporary facility. We remain a temporary facility. Currently approved to operate until March 31st, 2024. The the hotel was kind enough to loan us; like they've been a great partner. Their furnishings, and then we brought in anything else that we needed. Originally, the flooring was carpet, uh, which would not meet our infection control practices in the hospitals. But we've changed that, so a lot has been done to make sure we're. As much as possible meeting the infection control protocols and all that we do in a hospital setting to keep our patients well and our staff.
2: The fact that two hospitals had to convert a hotel into a patient facility instead of building one from scratch speaks to a sense of urgency. I wanted to ask about that. Amanda Weatherston.
4: It was really exciting. Like, what staff member and honestly, what brand new nurse is ever going to say, hey, where did you work first? I worked in a hotel. Like, I think there was a bit of a buzz of, like, the unknown in terms of unknown of, like, what is coming because of the pandemic. But the unknown of, like, hey, we're a team. This is new. This is exciting. Let's make it what we really want to make it and provide a great environment for our patients, our families and our staff. And it's true. Like, there was such a buzz that first month. And I mean, there is still a buzz because it's exciting to work somewhere different, but there was definitely a buzz in like something new, exciting and inventive. Cause that's, we were asked to think outside the box for the pandemic. And I think this was a huge example of that.
2: Do you have happy hour?
4: (laughs) I've always wished for a bar downstairs, (laughs) but no.
0: (laughs) We'll be right back. What if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it.
1: When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive.
0: Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen
2: or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to White Coat Blackheart. This week, a tour of a hotel that's been turned into an overflow hospital facility. It's an innovative bit of MacGyvering by two Hamilton, Ontario hospitals to solve their chronic overcrowding. To be clear, this satellite facility is not for sick patients. There's no ER, no operating rooms or ICUs. It's for patients who are waiting for placement in a long-term care home or for those who need rehab before they're ready to go home patients like the one we're about to meet <laughs> this is very intimidating isn't it it? is not it? somehow I think you can handle it okay. I want to thank you I want to thank you for for allowing us to, to to come in to 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 see you and 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 hear a little bit about your story um so that so we've got so that we've got your name can you can you say hi my name is your first and last name is sure
6: okay? hi my name is Cindy Mark
2: Cindy Mark can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about yourself
6: I'm 62 years old. I live alone. I have a problem with breaking bones <laughs> and I'm retired for the last three years. So yeah. What'd you do before? You I worked here? at DeFasco.
2: Storied uh, Hamilton. Yes. Uh,
6: Steel company. Steel yep. company. Yep. Yes. For sure. Yep. Absolutely.
2: What happened? What, what's your story of how you ended up here? I guess you were in hospital first.
6: I was for a week. Um, First stint I had in in, uh, January, I broke my back, some vertebrae in my back. So I was in there for a month and then I was home for a couple of months and tripped and fell head first into a wall and uh, broke my arm. So that's why I'm here because I live alone. So um, I needed to uh, be here until they could get me back on my feet and able to look after myself.
2: So you're a regular client of the orthopedic service.
6: Uh, Unfortunately, yeah.
2: (laughs) And so what bone did you break?
6: The humerus, the part up here, yeah.
2: And uh, what did the orthopedic surgeons have to do?
6: They, this is my third cast that I've had on, is not healing. It's called a spiral fracture. And it, the first one didn't work, second one didn't work. This one I think is working. So I'm hoping tomorrow I have an appointment for an x-ray and I'm hoping it's, uh, Healing, so I can go home. That Not would, that I don't like it here, but I'd really like to go home. So I hope it does heal.
2: Yep. Um, so uh, did you ever stay here when it was a hotel?
6: No, no, I didn't. A friend of mine got, had her wedding reception here, though, but no, I, I didn't.
2: <laughs> so you visited here before. <laughs> and does this feel like a hotel to you?
6: No, it doesn't. It feels like a hospital-type thing without the IV poles and... You know, all that business, uh, the machines and everything. They just, uh, yeah, they look after you.
2: How about the other facilities that you use? You use Physio, don't you?
6: Yeah, Physio is here and they come in a couple of times a week and we've just been basically um, trying to stand up because I can't push up with both hands. So it's been trying to balance on that little, it's a single-sided walker mm-hmm and walk with that so i've been doing that a few times it's it's okay it's a little hard to balance and when are you supposed to be getting out of here i don't know what are you waiting for i'm waiting for the word just give me the word i see the uh, surgeon tomorrow like i said for an x-ray and i'm hoping he's going to say that the bone is healed or healing and you can go home now or he's going to do surgery and then i can go home so as soon as possible, I'd like to leave.
2: Well, I want to thank you for speaking with me. Thank and I, you. I hope you make a speedy oh. recovery and a complete recovery and that, and that bone uh, is as good as new.
6: Thank you very much. This was fun. Nice yeah, to talk I liked to you. It, it was nice. Yeah, nice. Thank you. nice meeting you.
2: Before Cindy Mark can go home, yes, she yes. needs the fracture Thanks. of her right humerus <laughs> okay. to heal so she can Thanks use her arm to cook, okay, no bathe, and use a standard walker. Thanks,
6: Bye now, have a good now. day. You too.
2: For now, this hotel meets her needs perfectly. <laughs> Still, it seems like a temporary fix to a problem that could use a more permanent solution. I wanted to ask Kelly O'Halloran from Hamilton Health Sciences about that. You you said that uh, this place is uh, going to operate until next year, until 2024. What does the system require so so that this place could close down for good?
5: working with our system partners out in the community um, to open up spaces for them home care there's you know lots of work going on in the home care setting so that people can go home um, people that want to go home should go home that is a good Best place for seniors if they have the supports they need. So lots of supports needed in home care. We're all struggling with staffing shortages, including the community. So home care, um, retirement homes, long-term care, opening up those types of beds or supports in the patients or people's homes will then allow us to discharge people. People.
2: So what you're saying is that in one way, you're a solution. And in another way, you're a symptom of, of a bigger problem, of the lack of the capacity that, that, that's necessary to take care of people. Yes. Amanda, what are the biggest lessons that you've learned from setting this place up and, 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 and helping to run it and get it off the ground?
4: I, not to sound a little, I don't know, I'm just going to say, I think healthcare workers really do when push comes to shove, we come together, we do what we have to do, we put in the hours because we all got into healthcare for a reason and it's to care for patients. And I think this shows what we can do together. This shows across the board, healthcare workers will bend over backwards, think creatively. I mean, I go back to the working with like redevelopment, HHS, St. Joe's in a hotel being like, how are we going to make this work? And we made it work in three months and we're still here and we're still identifying things that how do we make this place better how do we make it function better in terms of education in terms of looking at little things and continuing to grow so I think we all got in this to make sure everyone's getting the care they need but now we're so proud of the care we do give I don't think anyone truly would want to see this go away because we're proud of what we've done who can say they've turned a hotel into a thriving hospital and I think I don't even know what the numbers are of how many people we've discharged across both sites but it is a lot of patients that have been through these doors that have gotten great care, great support, as well as somewhere to be not and get the care that they need. I think that's the biggest lesson is a hospital is a hospital, but where is the care that you require? What's the care that you need? And how do we support you for that? And sometimes it's an acute care. Sometimes it's an ED. Sometimes it's an ICU. Sometimes it's at the hotel. And sometimes it's in the community. And I think what Craig said, like, our physicians at St. Joe's like, oh, they're going to the hotel. What does that mean? What can you do? And we've proven time and time again, we have great teams that provide great care on many levels. And this is what we can do. And guess what? They're going home because of the care that we've been able to provide in partnership with everybody.
2: That's a great place to end our conversation. Thank you so much for speaking with me.
4: Anytime. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you.
2: This satellite health facility inside a converted hotel has funding until the end of March 2024. The people who look after patients here believe it will continue operating well beyond that date. And joining me now in the studio is Jeff Goods, who visited the Hotel come Hospital along with me and who produced this story. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Brian. So... I know a lot of people are going to be wondering, uh, you know, health human resources is is in crisis right now, and a lot of hospitals are short-staffed when it comes to nurses. So what do we know about
1: the staff complement at this satellite health facility? Well, when we were walking around, it seemed well-staffed to us. We saw all sorts of people, physios. We saw people moving equipment around. It, it, It was a busy place. There are about 160 staff that work at the hotel. You've got 15 doctors and then 110 registered nurses, and registered practical nurses, plus they staffed up with social workers, with recreational therapists, they have dietitians, speech-language pathologists. And the interesting thing that Hamilton
2: Health Sciences also told us is that a lot of the people who have joined the satellite health facilities are new hires. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting that they're hiring new people at a time when, when we know that there are issues uh, in, in retaining staff in other facilities. We will continue to watch uh, that satellite health facility uh, because of what it symbolizes and, and its importance in, in moving people through the system. But there's another very important reason why I brought you into the studio um, with me on this occasion. Yes. This story that you brought to us is your victory lap for White Coat art and for all of us here at the CBC. So what the heck is that all about?
1: you mean i 'm t- retiring from the c v c after thirty years, so I,
2: you know as our listeners are coming to grips with this i 'm coming to grips with this as well because you and i 've worked together for like twelve years we 've worked together a long time i can 't even count because I- it's it 's been so long. Um, the story that you brought you know, of the satellite health facility, the, 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 you know, the, there's a quirky element to a, a hotel being converted into kind of a satellite health hospital facility and it is very typical of the kinds of stories that that you brought to us over the years.
1: I guess it's, it's an archetypal story that I like because – First of all, there is that hook, right? It's a it's a hotel turned into a hospital, and you're like, what does that mean, right? And that's that's that gets you in. But then there are two more things that, that make it a great story. And wh- one is the fact that it it, it is a it is a representative of an underlying condition, the the crisis in the hospitals, and how how are we going to solve this? You like. Stories
2: that are bread-and-butter stories that have a quirky hook, and I'm reminded of you and I traveling to a farm in southwestern Ontario to meet migrant workers who were getting COVID. That's and, right. And – didn't necessarily have health benefits, but were utterly dependent on on the owners of the farm to provide benefits for them, and they were living in crowded conditions.
1: Do you remember that? Oh, I remember that very well. I remember watching the sunset over the dormitories at this apple farm uh, south of uh, Brantford, Ontario, and how that was a time when we, when we started thinking about how COVID was affecting certain populations disproportionately, and they were the vulnerable populations. And as, as we like to say, COVID didn't change... The way the world was, but it, it, really sh- it really shone a light on the most vulnerable. Yeah. And there's something
2: to that as well. That was a long term interest of yours over the years. You specialized in shows about real people, he- non healthcare professionals affected by the healthcare system who don't wait for physicians to tell them what to do or to give
1: them advice. Um, I have my favorite stories ab- uh, along that line. What are yours? There's so many. I love the story you did on the downtown east side. You That we did. We did. That's right. We did. But you you were
2: I was the one okay. who was I was the one who had the privilege of being there. You're talking about the single uh, single uh, room uh, occupancy where yeah. we met people who who were living in single room occupancy hotels. Here we are, yeah, boy, we hotels did. again. There we go. That's hotels. True. And 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 the thing that was so amazing about it
1: was what? was that you, uh, first of all, we set it up really well. One, one of the things I love to do is find people who are passionate about what they do, who are good talkers, and not necessarily the spokespeople, because the spokespeople often have these you know, messages they want to get out. You want to talk to people who are on the ground, really doing interesting things that are, that are moving the needle. We found a man in recovery, and yes. he was
2: our tour guide, and he, he
1: t- took us from one place to another, and I was
2: astonished that he knew the names of everybody in each
1: single room, occupancy, hotel, because you have you to, you snuck into the hotels. You knocked on doors. Yeah, and you and you handed out uh, Narcan and, uh, and and safe injection safe kits. Injection kits. and
2: and I and mean, come you on. and you have to know who was where. Because if he knocked on the door and they didn't answer, there was and, and he knew by the time of day that they had to be in the room. Then he would bust down the door and, and give them Narcan to save their lives. Yeah. and and so that story told me that there was this community. That was looking after people in the downtown east side, which is something I would not have been able to, to figure out if I didn't go there and I would not have been able to do that story without you.
1: And I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that that is a, a great story because it sums up my philosophy of, of journalism and, and storytelling. And that in order to tell a story properly, to connect with people, you have to have that human element and you have to have someone who, who becomes that conduit for emotional and human connection you've talked about it for years. Every white coat story has a, a head and a heartbeat. The the heartbeat is the core of the story because without it you'll never engage the listener enough to be able to deliver the the, the facts.
2: So you're going to be doing lots of things, but uh, you've got something coming up shortly that I think is kind of interesting for our listeners. What can you tell us about that?
1: I have a couple super exciting things happening. One is I am the journalist-in-residence with the Faculty of Science at McMaster University in Hamilton, and we are going to work on what we've just been talking about, storytelling, and making that human connection. And I'm also working with uh, uh, the Canadian Housing Evidence Collaborative on a podcast, How to Fix Housing Policy in Canada, which is, which has always been a passion of mine, housing. So that's fascinating as well.
2: And uh, there's a very important connection between housing, safe housing and, and uh, well-being and health care. Social determinants of health. Yeah. Matt, you learned something being with See? us. <laughs> Jeff, all I can say is that um, you know, our, our listeners, you know they hear the credits at the end of the show. Um, they will miss hearing your storytelling. Uh, and um, you know, so they will miss you. Our team will miss you terribly. The CBC will miss you. And finally, I will miss you. And we will be cheering you from the sidelines as you go on to your next great adventure. Jeff Goods, I just want to say working with you has been one of the great joys. Not just a pleasure, but, but it's been a great
1: collaboration, but it's been one of the great joys of working here at the CBC. Thank you. That's very, very generous. I really appreciate that. You're going to make me cry. Uh, I'll bring a box of Kleenex. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is our show this week. If you'd like to comment, our email address is whitecoat at cbc.ca. Whitecoat Black Art was produced this week by Jeff Goods. Shatova. Look it up with help from Amina Zoffer and Stephanie Dubois. Our digital producer is Ruby Guiza, and our senior producer is Colleen Ross. That's medicine from my side of the gurney. I'm Brian Goldman. See you next week.
0: For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.